Hi, King's Church London. It is so tremendous to be with you and so, so exciting to be in the buildings live with you out of COVID lockdown, now able to travel again and be this people together. It is such a joy to have the relationship that we have, kings to disciple nations and river of life. We are so blessed by the friendship and the partnership on many different levels. And I believe that God has only just begun. I believe he has amazing purpose for new frontiers and for his people in general across the earth as we influence into Ukraine and Russia and into Brazil and South America and all around the earth. God has his people and this Antioch type church, this Antioch style church, King's Church London has such a huge purpose in that. And I'm praying that as I preach today, faith would arise in your heart. And beyond the leaders and the life group leaders and the various ministry areas, there would be this vibrancy of receiving God's word at every level at Kings. Because I know from God's word that if we're a people of his word in the power of his spirit, there is unlimited potential for what he can do through a church like that. So I'll pray and we will dive straight into it. Father, thank you for the joy of knowing your love and knowing this love one for another and seeing that love overspill to those who don't know you, that they may be added and that we may be together, the bride of Christ, a people who have received your word and are being shaped by your word in the power of your spirit. Lord, I ask that the result of this message would be a greater engaging with your word that Kings London would truly move gear, engage with your word deeper and more intentionally than ever before. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, please would you turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 11. And this is the passage that you've been going through in your series together. And we will just read verse 25 and 26. Uh, leading up to this, there have been various phrases like speaking the word, preaching the Lord Jesus, various expressions for the same thing. But verse 25 says, So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when they'd found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. Well, it's remarkable that this vibrant church in Antioch really had leveraged off the vibrancy that happened at Pentecost in Jerusalem. The Spirit had been poured out, and Acts chapter 2, verse 41 says, All who received the word were baptized, and the Lord added to their number 3,000 those who were saved. The very next verse, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. And that's exactly what King's London is doing. You are devoting yourselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, being together around his word, breaking bread, praying, experiencing miracles, acting in generosity, sharing things one with another, all that characterized 
the early church, meeting in the temple, meeting in home to homes, sharing with glad and generous hearts, and God adding to that number daily. And that's exactly what was happening in Antioch. Antioch was part of the, the, those who'd been scattered from Jerusalem, as you know, and Gentiles were now added. And this was the most extraordinary phenomenon that was happening that these believers in God's word were from different nations, different tribes, different tongues. The only thing that united them was Christ, believing the gospel, that Jesus is the fulfillment of all that God has foreshadowed, believing that he was not a criminal, but Lord and Christ. And the good news that in him, all our sin and shame and guilt can be washed away. He was made sin for us, that in him we may be the righteousness of God. That gospel is what unites. And it's incredible to know that, that no skin color, no passport, no visa, no clothes, no vehicle, nothing of this world can essentially unite us. Only the word of God, who is Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word. He was with God in the beginning. The Word was God. The Word, capital W, always in John 1, 1, became flesh and dwelt among us. This is always God's plan, that through His Word, we are reconciled with Him and reconciled with one another. We are together in His Word. Jesus Christ, the living Word. So the word of God is absolutely vital for us. If we are going to be uh, growing in our relationship with Jesus, if we are going to be effective in sharing his love with those close to us and those far from us, we are going to be, we're going to want to be people of his word. And you wonder, what did they teach them for a year? What was it that they got from Paul who taught many people for a whole year in Antioch? And for that, I, I would like to look at a scripture that Paul wrote. Uh, this is his opinion of God's word. And it's 2 Timothy 3.16, such a fantastic verse. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. What the apostle Paul essentially taught is what Jesus taught. Firstly, that the word of God is the inspired word of God. It is inspired. Secondly, it is to be received, that it is profitable. It is good for us. It is to be believed. And thirdly, that it is to be lived. It is profitable for teaching, training, correcting, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. And these three things are so important for us to understand. This is what was the apostles' teaching around the scriptures. First of all, that it is the inspired word of God. That as we hold scripture in our hand, it is a sheer privilege. These are the very words of God. This is wisdom from God. The word of God in original form, without error, complete everything we need for life and godliness through the great and precious promises given to us, Peter says. And so as we turn to the text, 
we receive it with that level of faith. It's not a religious duty that we have to do to read our Bibles and to be people of the Word. It is an absolute joy and privilege. There's no other book like it. I don't know what other book you may want to compare. I think Pride and Prejudice is fantastic. And I hear that Harry Potter has sold a lot. And I know that Socrates wrote some good stuff. And I know that the Quran is a very uh, high seller as well. But there is no book that sells more than the Bible. Year on year, year on year, year on year, the highest selling book. There's no other book that claims to be the inspired word of God. Written by man and by God. Fully man, fully God. Just as Jesus is. Fully man, fully God. The word become flesh. There is such unity in this. There's such unity from Genesis 1 verse 1 right through to Revelation 21, 22. Absolute unity. A, a, an unfolding of a unified story. The Quran, which is uh, the book of the fastest growing religion or second fastest, depending how you measure Christianity. But uh, it's a progression of a revelation, not an inspiration. It claims not to be inspired, but revealed by an angel to a man, Muhammad. Not 30 different people over thousands of years in different walks of life, all woven together by God himself, but revealed by an angel to a man who wrote it. And then as things changed and the revelation changed, he changed it as well. And by the time you get to the end, it's hard to see how you got there from the beginning. And yet the word of God is completely different. From the word go, there's God at the center. And at the end, there's God at the center. The very first verses of the Quran are talking about the man. <laughs> God's word talks about God at the beginning. Man comes somewhere. I think it's day six somewhere down there. And at the end, it's all about God again and how he brings in the bride. The perfect unity of this. Man's fall and God's promise of redemption and how that is outworked through the fallenness and sinfulness of man and then fulfilled in Christ. Woohoo! That all that was typified, every blood that was shed, every war that was wrought, all the brokenness of the world is put in stark reality for us. And the fulfillment of Christ is a real thing. This isn't just an idea that Allah says, if you pray five times a day and go to Mecca and give, then if he's in a good mood, as the Quran says, maybe you will make it. No! This book is absolutely different. This book is the word of God, the inspired word of God that was fulfilled in a man, the person of God himself. The Word, capital W, is with God and through whom all things were created. Jesus, who literally spoke His words among us and by His Spirit were recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and then onwards through the epistles and now the fulfillment in Revelation. As we hold God's Word, it is God's Word, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, speaking to us. What a privilege. Don't turn on BBC in the morning. Don't turn on Sky News. Don't turn on your email or whatever it is. Turn to the word of God. Be in his word first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. There will be wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and disease. And COVID is nothing compared to us standing before him if we are not in Christ. What we experience in the worst experience of our lives is nothing compared to standing before the living word of God. And giving an account on our own. For our lives. There's nothing worse than that. And all the hardship. And all the difficulties of our lives. 
will be eclipsed by that moment for those who are in Christ. There will be a full restoration, a full reconciliation of all things. And in fact, these light and momentary troubles that we go through in our world now will provide for us a weight of glory that far outstrips it all. The most important thing we can do with our lives is receive his word. Scripture says the only thing that will count on that day is faith expressed in love. Galatians 5.22 Not your bank account, not your bitcoin, not the car that you drive or the plane that you fly or the political party that you support, the passport that you carry. Nothing is going to count on that day. There is going to be a complete shift of value. And the only thing that will be valued for eternity is that which is built on the word of God. God's word is his inspired word. The apostles were teaching that. When Paul taught in Antioch for a whole year, he will have been showing how Jesus is revealed all through the scriptures. Just like Jesus did on the road to Emmaus, starting with Moses and the, the prophets. He revealed, he, he showed them who Jesus was, that God's word is inspired. The second thing that they will have been teaching, as 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us, is that God's word is profitable for us. Once we see the value of his word, we need to receive it. God's word is to be received, is to benefit us, to cause our belief system to change. And this is the amazing thing about God. He isn't about just controlling our outward behavior. He's about shaping our inward beliefs. He's about overturning uh, secular, humanistic worldviews and putting Christ, the word of God, as the basis for our lives. Belief determines behavior. God's word is to be received. And I love uh, seeing how Jesus did this in Luke 4.4. It gives the uh, classic example of where Jesus lived this. He received God's word himself. It says in Luke 4.4 that coming back from Nazareth and after he'd be tempted in the desert where he actually quoted the word of God, he sat down at the synagogue as was his custom to be there. And he asked them to turn to Isaiah and read Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me and he has, he has anointed me to proclaim the good news. It's just all about the word of God. And then it says he had the scroll rolled up and he sat down and said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus himself was a man of the word. I don't know whether he just read that scripture that morning. I don't know if he'd been reading it that week or if he'd memorized it from ages ago. Point is, he knew it. He was acquainted with the word of God. He was acquainted with the promises of God. And because of having received that in his heart, he could speak it. It's so important that we are a people who receive God's word. And then from there, they will have taught that we are to be a people who live God's word. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scriptures useful or profitable for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. The word of God is not only to be understood as inspired, not only to be received as ultimate truth, but to be lived out as wisdom put on show for the world that they may see your good deeds 
and praise your Father who is in heaven. As we live God's word, it's not only a blessing to us, sometimes it can even result in persecution to us. More than anything, it is to be a witness to the world. How we speak, how we act, the attitudes of our hearts, all of these are works, actions that result from having received God's word. And Jesus, at the end of the most famous sermon that's ever been given, the Sermon on the Mount, said, He who hears these words and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The wind comes, the rain beats against that house, but it stands firm because it is founded on the rock. And this is so important to understand, not only the wonder that God has given us his word, his very word, not only the joy of receiving his word into our souls and knowing the nourishment of that man, not living by bread alone, but every word that passes from the mouth of God, but also to live out his word in obedience. And the apostles were after that obedience. Jesus was after that obedience, but they knew it came from the heart. The apostle Paul says in Romans 1 verse 5, preaching of the gospel to the Gentiles for the obedience that comes from faith. He's after an obedience that comes from faith. I'd love to leave you with some practical pointers on how I do this personally. And uh, I use this little acronym, which I, I think of pretty much on a daily basis. PRP, P-R-R-P. Pray, read, reflect, pray. As I go to the scriptures, for me, it's first thing in the morning. And then during the day, I'll refer to them. And sometimes in the evening, I'll read or at least uh, pray or think around a scripture. But the morning time is the time I set aside to read intentionally. And the first thing I do is pray. Because I think it's important to declare our weakness. Lord, I cannot read other than if you make my eyes able. I cannot understand unless you make my mind able. I cannot comprehend unless you make my spirit able. Lord, I declare my dependence on you. I pray that you would open my eyes, that you would unstop my ears, that your word would find its place in my soul. I open my heart to you. I think this is one of the most exciting things of reading God's word is declaring our dependence on him to even be able to read, let alone understand his word. And then having prayed, uh, read. And I tend to use the McChaney Bible reading plan, which I learned from Terry years and years ago, that takes you through the Old Testament and the New Testament twice in a year. And I don't always get through uh, the, uh, the New Testament twice. I try to at least do the Old Testament and the New Testament through year on year. And I've probably read through the Bible 16 times so far. And every single year it gets deeper and every single year it gets richer. And I'm so excited every single year to start again. But you may want to just read a few verses of Proverbs every day. You may want to decide that you want to read through Peter. You may have a different Bible reading plan that goes through the scriptures in two years. You may have a devotional that gives you a passage and then write some notes about it to help you and some prayer pointers. Whatever your system of reading scripture, go to the scripture and read. I highly recommend a physical Bible because a electronic digital technology means that at, at a little click, 
you can be straight into other things and other distracting stuff. I find WhatsApp almost impossible to control if I don't have the phone off and I'm in an analog scenario. This was the kind of scripture Jesus used, the scrolly roll. This was actual paper. I like to write in the passages. I like to write my prayers. There's something about the tactileness and the tangibility of having your actual Bible. It's not a law, but it's a, a recommendation I would make. Having read, reflect. And this is vital. And having read, we reflect and we open our heart to what Jesus is saying to us. And as you've read scripture, generally, the Holy Spirit will trigger thoughts. And you may find that you have to forgive. You may find you write a letter to someone in your prayer time. You may find that you pray for a certain situation. You may find there's some things that you don't understand. And part of your reflection will be, Lord, I don't understand this. I pray that you'd help me to understand. And that's such a great position to be in. None of us will ever know everything of what God is showing us in Scripture. There should always be areas of paradox, things we don't quite get. If you think you fully understand God, know that you've just arrived in a cult. There should be things that we're grappling with and we leave. And we say, Lord, though I don't understand everything, I receive your word. I receive your truth, Jesus, that every promise is yes and amen in you. You are the author and the finisher of my faith. Though I may not understand this, I know you and you are the word of God. This is not a mental exercise that I have to fully understand everything. This is a living relationship. And I thank you for this that you've revealed to me of who you are and what your purpose is for man. So that reflection, so important. And then from there to pray. And in this moment, it is a declaration of dependence that whatever God has shown you, whatever he has revealed, you turn to him to bring through in your life. Lord, you are my life. Apart from you, I can do nothing. You said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. It is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. And so today, Lord, I ask for power and strength to change the coarseness of my language, to change the prejudice of my heart, to change the compromise of my actions in this area. I thank you that you love me and that you discipline me for my good as a child who you care for. I thank you that nothing will separate me from the love of God that is in Christ. I pray for this situation at work. I pray for this situation at home. I ask, Lord, that you would work through me and work through others. I pray, Lord, for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, that you will strengthen kings, that you will strengthen the bonds between kings and every sphere around the earth. Lord, that you would cause new frontiers to shine and to fly, that you would bless Steve and the leaders around Steve and give him wisdom. I pray for a next generation of leaders to rise up across our family of churches and indeed the body of Christ across the earth. Lord, that you'd cause your church to arise and shine. And as you, as you finish your Bible reading time, you're just praying in dependence on God for him to fulfill his word. I pray that Kings London 
will increasingly be together around God's word. That individually at every level, people will be turning to their Bibles in the mornings, declaring their dependence on God even before they read. And as they read, able to reflect on what is God saying to them personally, knowing that his word is inspired, that it's to be received deeply and lived out in reality. And then turning back to him in dependence, that he would do that in them and through them for his glory. Thank you, Lord, for this tremendous church. Thank you so much that you have not left us as orphans, but you've lived your word among us. You've called us by your word into your purpose. And I thank you so much for this time that we've had together. I pray for joy to explode in hearts as we increasingly become a people united in your word, together in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.